Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Make sure you adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Liquid Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, we're peeling back those layers, y'all. We're talking about mental health, and we're also talking about relationships. And I am blessed to have the sex therapist herself, Sharita. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing pretty great. You know, we love you here on the Holy Liquid Podcast. If we didn't, you would not be having all these damn episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's going to be the year of Sharita. If you're not finding you a mental uh, therapist, if you're not finding you a sex therapist, you're not finding anybody to help you do anything to improve your life, you're lacking. We got Sharita here, y'all. This is a blessing. Okay do better let's do let's do great for ourselves is the year of sharita y'all <laughs> so here we are getting ready to dive deep into this um the first thing that i uh, wanted to bring up is just the need for a therapist like how we all need them uh, a therapist needs a therapist, a doctor needs a therapist, a, a physician needs a therapist. We all need therapists. So what is your your sentiment behind just that phrase itself or your belief uh, when it comes to the need for therapists, how to find a therapist, all of that goodness? Yeah, um, so I definitely agree with that sentiment, like 100%. And I, you know, because of just the stigma of mental health, it's always been seen as like, I only need a therapist if I'm like, quote unquote, crazy, or if I'm like, super depressed, or I can't function like every day. And yes, of course, if you are having those issues, you do need a therapist, but also people who are able to function every day and just dealing with like just the everyday stressors, right? Especially as African-Americans, being an African-American living in the United States is stressful, right? Racism. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. being able to just have someone objectively to talk to about your issues to work through processing those things. A lot of the times we don't know how to process our emotions. 
And so being able to have someone who's clinical can, to kind of help you with that and navigating that. I think everyone needs it. Therapists, we're the number ones that need it the most and the ones that also struggle with getting it. <laughs> um, because it's like, well, I know this information, but yes, you may know that information and still you're dealing with everyone else's issues. You're dealing with stress of your own. So of course, you also need a therapist. Of course, it's beneficial for you. So, yeah, and I will say it's really hard not to get uh, well, not to allow other people's situations to impact you. Like you can go into situations and be uh, objective, listen to them, uh, hear them out, give advice, or whatever the case is, but you still walk away with that. Like is like whenever you have conversations with your friends and you tell them everything that's going on, be it some relationship issues, whatever the case is, that friend is going to walk away with what you told them. And that's either going to be something that sits with them for a couple of days or it's going to be something that sits with them for months. Like I would prefer if it's something that only sits with me for an hour. That way I can easily get over it. But you never know. Like you have to bring yourself to a space um, to be like, okay, it, it's, it's fine to talk to somebody about these things. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't be talking to your friends and stuff like that, but you also have to recognize your friends are not your therapists. Um, your friends cannot carry all of that weight for you. It's easier to have somebody who has that experience who can carry that, but they're you know, again, therapists need therapists. So as long as they're doing their part too, um, that's fine. But, you know, having someone who specializes in this, who can help you maneuver through this, it's always a good thing. Like sometimes people give you advice um, through their own hurt and you don't need that. Just because they had something that negatively impacted them when they were in a similar situation, that doesn't mean it's going to do that for you. So it's like, yeah, you need unbiased people to communicate with. And of course, for those who are uh, who just don't believe in therapy, find somebody in who can help you, like a spiritual guide, a pastor, priest, whatever the case is. If they do their job right, honestly, because, you know, there's some who will shame you. <laughs> so make sure you have somebody who can um, feed your soul and not drain your soul. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think also when it comes to just people assume that therapy is, oh, you're just someone that I'm going to tell my problems to and I'm going to walk away. And mm -hmm. there's so much more to therapy than that. I didn't go to school for six years to get my bachelor's and then my master's if it was just about talking to someone, mm. right? And so, yes, your friends are great. And also remember that your friends are connected to you, right? So if you were talking about your friend's ex-boyfriend and how he's trying to date you and stuff like that, you may not be able to talk to them about those things because they're connected to you. They know the person you're talking about. Um, and they may not know how to actually process it, right? They could be there and listen to you, but they may not be able to give you tips and tricks on how to like, how do you process that feeling and those emotions that come with it? Mm. Now, you, now you have me thinking about what would, how would that session go if uh, someone were to come to you about, oh yeah, my, um, my best friend's 
spouse was hitting on me and I just don't know how to process that and I don't know how to communicate that with my best friend without them being upset and ruining our relationship if someone were to walk up to you uh, with something of that nature or in the session is, is there anything that uh, you would tell them or would they, would you require a lot more information surrounding that yeah, I would need more information about the relationship she has with her best friends. There's some people who say they meet someone in two days and say, that's my best friend, right? And then there's people that that's been my best friend for 13 years. It may be a different dynamic and different advice I would give based off of that. I would explore the relationship she has with the ex-boyfriend. Like, what is it that made him comfortable enough to feel like he could flirt with you, right? So there may have been some moments where boundaries were not set correctly with this ex-boyfriend for you for him to feel comfortable saying those things to you right and then if it really was a situation where you know just that off-handed thing but she did want to really tell her friend about what happened I would advise them to have like a a session with the friend in or the ex-boyfriend together and they can have that conversation in like a safe space if there was that fear so I get that. I love that. That's a, you see, look, this is why she gets paid the money to do what she does. <laughs> this is what you call expertise. It's uh, not something that um, easily comes to people. You really do have to um, experience this firsthand, seeing people, uh, removing yourself uh, out of the situations, uh, looking at things objectively, um find all the information that you can to make sure that you're giving them adequate you know advice on things and even taking in okay so what is this person's mental state in terms of like whenever they do get bad news like there's a lot of things you have to like consider (laughs) oh god i'm just thinking about just crucial conversations with people like how do i say this how do i tell my partner that I want you to choke me sometimes and I want you to also spit in my mouth while doing it like how do you have these kind of conversations (laughs) it's gonna be is different per person Mm because you can have those conversations with someone who's like a part of the kink community and they're like okay I'm down yeah just say a word and then there's other people who you know, may have been raised a little bit more heavily Christian and have very like vanilla views, whatever vanilla means to them, uh, views about sex. And that would be a whole different conversation. Right. So this like, again, another reason why you need to get you a therapist so you can get these tools, get the tools that you need. Communication is amazing. Like, we, we have that phrase, communication is key, but we don't uh, learn how to communicate with each other. Like, it's, a, it's not enough just to keep repeating that over and over and over and over and think things are going to change. It's not. <laughs> it's not. You can say, oh, I, I need a partner that can communicate. Okay, great. Can you communicate yourself? Like, even though you think you can, do you have the ability to shift your communication style to match the person that you're communicating with? And are they able to do the same thing for you? Communication is a reciprocal thing. So know your communication style. A lot of people don't even know their communication style. Mm, That's a point. That's a point. So just just something to think about. (laughs) Um, Another thing I did want to address is the 
essentially codependency. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think it is always important to bring that conversation back up. Like I've heard how, you know, codependency can be healthy in terms of like, let's say if you have someone who may be disabled and they uh, have a partner who's able to take care of them, that's uh, a form of codependency. But I also think that there's uh, like that framing takes away the independence of each individual uh, because that may be codependent in action but not codependent in emotional attachment and I think those are two completely different things uh, and in most aspects when we uh, well most definitely myself when I talk about codependency is more of the emotional attachment the way that you need a certain person to fulfill your emotional needs that they become the center of your reality and things like that uh, what are what are your views of codependency yeah so I mean I get understand both sides so I feel like in a relationship there are going to be instances of codependency that's a part of being in that relationship and maintaining it the issue is, as you've mentioned, is kind of that emotional codependency of like, I can't live without this person, mm-hmm. right? And even with the example you gave, yeah, there is a little bit of, there is some codependency in physical where like I'm helping my person who, you know, yesterday they appear paraplegic or whatever, and I'm helping them with all these things. But you still have to be mindful of that. You still have to be mindful of the power dynamic that comes with that. You have to be mindful of the boundaries that come with that because they may, like, you may be using up all of yourself to take care of this person who's taking care of you, which you can cause resentment in that relationship. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss include kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. You may be using up all of yourself to take care of this person who's taking care of you which you can call resentment in that relationship, right? So you have to be really mindful of yourself and be mindful of like how much you're giving into the relationship and how much you're receiving in that relationship as well. Mm, that makes sense. So boundaries, because you, you mentioned it before, and I, I do want to come back to that. Um, what are, I, I know like boundaries very person to person um for yourself what are some of the boundaries that you like to have set when it comes to like the early stages in your relationship uh and do you see yourself um removing some of those boundaries as things go go along or do you just redefine your boundaries like every now and again, just, you know, like with your partner to say, okay, this is where I'm at, you know, you know, like a, a check-in within your relationship. Um, yeah. So 
I will be honest with you, and then we've talked about this, I'm pretty transparent about it um, when we talked about it before. I've struggled with codependency. So like those boundaries in previous relationships were always very <laughs> loose. <laughs> um, but being more aware, doing the self-work and envisioning when I have a future relationship, um, for me, after being in these situations where I've been very codependent and I've been in relationships like that, a boundary of mine is like not hanging out every single day, right? It's really hard in the beginning to not want to see this person every single day because it's a new thing. But I realized that in doing that, that kind of feeds into that codependency, right? I have to, it becomes like a drug to an extent. Mm. Like you get that endorphin high every time you see this person. So you want to see them every single day. And then it's really hard then when y'all start to like separate for whatever reason. Um, my own boundary, not moving in with each other. This is just for me personally. Some people do it within six months, whatever works for them. Um, I like having my own space. So I like if someone comes to my space or I could come to their space, but I do not want to move in until like at least two years or a year, a year to two years me personally um also you know you don't fully know someone until two years into the relationship and you may not still fully know them then right but their representative is not going to be showing as much in that two years so i wouldn't want to live with someone and i don't really fully know them Mm, i understand that um so those are kind of my boundaries also just being like i guess it's subjective to the person i'm with but just really being when it comes to boundaries being really aware of like if they're doing something that really bothers me, speaking up for it, making sure that when I speak up for it and it happens again, I, I set some sort of boundary of like, okay, well, now we can't hang out as much or this is not working for me, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah. I get that. Like, um, I'm not, um, I'm thinking about not necessarily like previous relationships, but, um, what like I want in terms of like, um, getting to know somebody mm-hmm. like that move in conversation and, uh, because I, similar to you, I love, I love my personal space. And sometimes I envision what my life would be like if I did have somebody that was living with me. Um, I definitely know that I need multiple rooms because like there's going to be days where I don't want to be hugged up under like with my partner and I just want to be in a room by myself um not because I've spent a lot of my life well it might be because I've spent a lot of my life like just being alone but it's mostly just because I appreciate my alone time a lot. Like, I don't mind being with somebody, being in the same living space with them for like a month or so, but I'm probably going to want a week away (laughs) just so I can um, be with myself, be centered uh, in aloneness and feel happy that way. And then on top of that, when it comes to moving in, I'm kind of with you on the give it a year, two years, um, just so that you can get to know each other. And I also see myself having a process of, okay, let's start to gradually shift this. Mm -hmm. so okay where do you where for yourself do you think you want to move in with me do you want me to move in with you 
how's this going to look in terms of this relationship? All right, well, let's give each other like a full year, six months to make this process a lot easier. I stay here a week, you stay with me a week, and then we, you know, go our separate ways for the rest of the month or whatever the case is, and just gradually move the stuff over, um, find my own space within their space or them, you know, the other way around, and build that new foundation that way. Because I know I'm not, I cannot handle like an instant, oh, it's time to move in. Ooh, there's an adjustment period. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I still would need a place to stay on my own. Like, I have to, like, I have to have that alone time. Like, I have to. So how many rooms in your future house, um, your, your um, final home, do you feel as though you would like to have? Just all together? If I had a partner? Yeah. I would... So if I had a partner, I would want to have at least like six rooms all together in the house. That way he can have, or he, she, they <laughs> can have um, some rooms to themselves in like their own little, I want to have like a little basement area just for me. And they have their own little basement area for them. Um, and then we can have our bed that we share in separate rooms for beds, just in case, you know, sometimes people get into arguments or they don't want to sleep together. I, I transparent, I snore. So, um, <laughs> someone, I can imagine someone not wanting to like actually sleep and deal with me snoring or like some people like to sleep with the light and TV on and I, I have to sleep in complete darkness. So we can have a room that we just are intimate in, in a room where they can, sleep separate we could sleep separately um and then have our own kind of just like separate departments in the house that would be beneficial so in those moments when you're having those arguments and you need that alone time and and it could be set up I haven't really thought about it until now so I'm sorry if I'm rambling <laughs> it could be good. set up where it's like this is set up like it's all set up downstairs that like I have the whole downstairs for myself if I want and then they can have like the middle level just for themselves if they want and then we can like share you know we could come down to each other's spaces that sounds cool I like that I like that you know um I've I've been thinking about it in stages um like the early early moments of our relationship getting to know each other probably newlywed or what if I actually feel like marriage at this point in my life um look it, it goes in and out people I, I, I have to be real sometimes I'm just like I don't fuck with marriage and then I'm like yeah I can see the financial benefits of doing it so it's like, <laughs> but um if that early uh, phase I'm like okay I'm cool with like a three-bedroom house uh, um that way they have their space uh, I have my space and then we can have like a mutual office space that we share together or you know sometimes I can go into their room or they can come to my room whatever the case is or however we want to however we want to spend that time and then uh, because I I'm open to children uh, I think that I would love to have like a probably five, six bedroom uh, home. Um, and I don't count the basement as a bedroom, but I am going to build bedroom space down there because I just want my basement just to be like a chill spot with a shower down there, mm -hmm. a nice little 
bedding area and also that's going to be like the play dungeon like the if i do have children they're not even going to know there's a basement in the house that kind of thing so um that will just be for me and my partner to just enjoy ourselves and just have that sexy time to ourselves and don't have to worry about whatever the fuck is going on outside um and then of course with the bedroom spaces um because i like to have guests over guest rooms uh, their bedroom, my bedroom, uh, an office, and then additional room or two additional rooms just for whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the house that I envision for myself and a future partner. So yeah, that sounds great, and it makes me really think. Like I'm blessed enough to have been like raised in a house that had like three different levels and like so much space and rooms and like when I think about it I'd want something very similar like I had my own play we had a playroom when I was younger so we had a huge room with like the children's playhouse and like me and my brother could like and my cousins come down and we would just stay in that room and then like there's it was connected to a bedroom so we could like sleep down there and like the kids had the whole room area to themselves and I would really like to have something like that if I did have kids. Or even if it's for my nieces and nephews. Ooh, yeah, I'll be forgetting that I do have those. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm a horrible uncle. I love my nieces and nephews. I, I, I just, you know, I'll I be slacking, okay? Let me be great, okay, people? Judge me tomorrow, not today, Lord. <laughs> so, um... Ooh, all right. So just to go on to a little bit something related to the episode, um, one of the things we did talk about as it relates to your, you know, mental health as well as you know, building relationships, um, is having couples counseling prior to getting married, which I'm 100% for. Like, please do that. Um, what are you, what are your stances? Oh yeah, no, 100%. Um, it kind of goes back to that conversation where we had and. Couples counseling with a real licensed therapist, nothing against pastors or nothing against uh, the Christian or clergy, whatever. Um, But a licensed professional counselor is going to give you more insight into your like communication styles. It's going to give you more insight into like processing your like your past trauma. Like it's going to be more I wouldn't say it would be more beneficial but it'd be really beneficial in giving you insight into why you are the way you are I don't really necessarily see like Christian not Christians but just like a pastor who doesn't have that clinical background diving deep into your attachment styles right they're not going to even think about that kind of stuff I agree like I'm glad that you did separate those two because um you you do have the option to go to your um, your uh, faith provider. I'm trying to, because I don't want to just say pastor because, you know, anybody with the uh, actual credentials within like the religious circles can provide this uh, service to, to their practitioners. But like you, that is a legitimate route for people to go through, but they have to remember this person is, um, looking at things within the religious aspect of um, your relationships, your spiritual connection with um, God and whatnot in each other, but they're not really looking into the mental health side of things. And that's why I agree. Definitely 
like you can continue to do that, have your meetings with your pastor and what have you, but having a professional um, that you all can like meet with to tackle these things is even more beneficial because when you become married, that's a completely new um, family dynamic in itself. Uh, like you think, oh yeah, we, we've been couples for all this time. Okay, that's great. This marriage is a legal, legally bonding thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Couples can easily break up. Married people cannot. And it's better to understand each other's mental health as well as each other's triggers, like how you've been triggering your partner or how your partner has been trigger- triggering you. And uh, see how you all can better that. Um, that's something only a, a licensed professional can provide. Not saying that a, a pastor cannot be a licensed professional because you know there's some out here, but not too many. So you just have to know exactly who you're going to and who can really benefit your um, marriage long-term rather than just on the spiritual side of things. So things to think about. Yeah. And I agree. Like there are some faith-led Christians. I actually know some, um, not faith-led Christians, (laughs) faith-led licensed uh, therapists. And I actually know some, so if people need some, I can send that referral, but um, if you're going to go that route that you really do want someone who's faith-led, you can find someone who's faith-led and has the clinical background as well. Yes, yes. Get these get these couples right because I'm tired of the drama. <laughs> the drama is great to look at, it's great to watch, but I'm tired of it. I, I, I really do want to see a lot more happier and loving relationships out here because I, it, it gets... It gets very, I don't know the word. I, I can't find the word. It's not, I don't want to say depressing. I don't want to say sad, but it gets something. And I, I hate it. I hate seeing it because I'm just like, the way that these individuals do not love each other makes relationships not worth going into. And I know relationships can be a very beautiful thing. Um, but it's so many people who choose not to tackle their insecurities, heal from those, and find new ways to love each other outside of all the hate that uh, people shared about them or uh, all the misinformation that comes up in their relationship or all the past hurt that they've uh, dealt with with this person. Not to say you have to constantly deal with the hurt, but you know, if this is a person that you're willing to grow with, I'm just tired of seeing the people not willing to truly forgive their partner and move forward as a couple. Yeah, it's very disheartening. Um, I will say I don't think people know how to forgive. Mm. And um, even I've had like clients that, you know, um, I have a client who was recently cheated on and, you know, she's like, oh, I'm fine. We're going to be back together and this, that, and the third, which is great, you know. but then he'll say certain things and it'll just bring back everything all over again. And she wants his location and like all of these different things. Um, and so I asked her, I was like, well, did you forgive him? And she's like, yeah. But as we talked more and more about, I don't think she knew how. Mm. Right? I don't think she knew what that meant, right? Now we understand like, you're not going to forget that this person cheated on you. You're going to be mindful. You're going to have 
you know, whatever boundaries that is set up for that. So if he does it again, leave him or whatever that is for you. But we do have to work on like forgiving that pain because it sounds like you're you're holding in that pain consistently. Every day you're thinking about this. You haven't forgotten. I mean, you haven't forgiven him. So what, what do you have any light tips um, as it relates to forgiveness or how to um, bring forgiveness to the forefront for anybody who needs that kind of healing? <sighs> that one's a hard one. I think it takes a lot of really processing. And it, I think it's subjective to the event that happens, right? But it's a lot of processing that event for yourself. It's a lot of figuring out whether or not you even want this person in your life, right? There's people who have been hurt by their parents consistently. And, and as adults, you don't have to keep them in your life. Mm. And I think that's, that's the hardest part for a lot of people is letting go of people, but you don't have to keep someone who's continuously hurting you and not doing the work that, unless you're, you know, now if you're dependent on them financially, figure out what we're, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Um, so you have to do what works best for you in the moment, but if they're, they're not benefiting you financially, they're not benefiting you in any other way, you do not need them in your life and you need to learn. I think part of it is just learning to love yourself and to realize that you are worthy of having people in your life that bring joy. You are worthy to having people in your life that don't make you guess and wonder whether or not they're going to cheat on you. You're worthy enough to have people in your life that are actually here to empower you and uplift you. And if you feel like this person is not doing that for you anymore, or you feel like every day you're wondering whether or not, then you don't need this person. Mm. Um, <laughs> Child, not a word today, y'all. I would love to just be like, that's the end of this damn episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not, though, it's not, but. Oh then for forgiveness, I think everyone has their own way of doing it. I think for some people, they need something tangible. So there's something that's really cool that I had spoke with one of my clients to do. What we call it in therapy is like the open chair technique. And it's like, there's a chair and you're just talking, you're pretending like you're talking to that person. Everything you felt, everything they did, you're doing that to that person. You don't have to do that. That may feel a little weird and awkward for you. So there's always the writing a letter. I can write a letter to this person. I don't have to send it. I can send it if I want to. I can burn it, right? Having something physical for a lot of people is great because it's like, I'm physically seeing myself letting go of this situation mm. and not worrying about it does that mean that that situation is not going to come back up no there might be times later on in your life where it can forgiveness is one of those things that you're regularly working on right you're regularly processing just like trauma mm. oh girl not the trauma oh <laughs> yeah, trauma mm. that 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 <laughs> you trauma is embedded in you in so many uh, ways oh my lord mentally physically just oh god trauma just be there <laughs> my back um, is hurting just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> right? oh my god um i'm still stuck on just knowing your worth and like i think a lot of people really do need to hone into that message because they you do have the ability to allow whoever you want in your life you don't have to accept people bullying you disrespecting you 
um, making you feel less than all that you don't have to allow these people to remain in your life if you don't want them there and like you said if there's some financial things going on or if you're dependent on this person for some for some reason i get it figure some things out figure out a way that you can you know ease your way into a different um you know state of being where you don't have to deal with that meaning if that means finding a new apartment finding a better job finding something that will have you a lot more financially secure do what you need to do but your peace is all just find peace and find happiness and find enjoyment in this life that does not have to be with uh, you don't have to be subjected to ridicule on a regular basis abuse and all the other stuff like just find something that makes you feel great and just keep moving in that direction uh, and not drugs or alcohol. <laughs> yes. <I don't> <laughs> that's substances. That's a, that's a false sense of happiness. That's all I'm going to uh, say on that part. Um, the last thing I do want to talk about uh, before we get into uh, the sets questions is um uh, it's so far off um, because I think they, I don't know if last season was their last season or, or what, but we did uh, have a brief conversation about love is blind uh, mm-hmm. and just the concept of how that show is in terms of like, um, you know, p- these people don't know each other and they're uh, in a very high speed process to getting married and whatnot. And one of the things that we were talking about as it relates to that show is like how each of those couples can really benefit from having a professional with them as they go through this process. So what is your sentiment on that? Yeah, so, well, I feel like Love is Blind for the most part is it's just, I mean, I, I mean, it's not real love, right? It's like, it's, it's lust, it's it's kind of just like oh this person seems like a great person on paper kind of thing and then like oh I guess I'll try it out that's why none of the relationships last it's really superficial and don't get me wrong I'm sure they talk about deeper questions to an extent and there, I think there's only one couple out of the two seasons that's actually still married I believe so yeah Lauren and the other guy. I didn't see season two <laughs> <laughs> I heard season two was fat phobic but um there was only one big uh, chick in there. She was gorgeous too, and yeah, old dude was hella fat phobic. Like that, he was a narcissist. He's a narcissist too, but that's that's a different thing. So, but or married at first sight, right? They're all kind of this similar idea, right? It's really great to look at, but it's not. It's really superficial, mm-hmm. and yeah. If you're going to go that route and that's really what you want to do and you're actually trying to find love, you're definitely going to need a therapist walking you through that. You're definitely, because I'm sure y'all are not going to, you're not asking the questions. Um, and people, even when they're dating, don't ask these questions of like, so how was your childhood? Like, tell me about your the last time, you know, any type of trauma you've had. What is your relationship with your parents? Like, you may not be asking those questions because you're really just trying to get to know someone on a really superficial level. Mm. And so of course having a therapist to kind of process that and even just being married, like kind of off of what we just mentioned, right? When you're the first time you're getting married, there's a lot of pressure. The dynamic that you have with your friends change, the dynamic you have with yourself changes. And so navigating those, that's a big stressor 
mm-hmm. navigating that stressor, navigating if you want to potentially have kids. You may not know you want you may think you go into it thinking you want kids and then you are with him and you're married and you're like, actually, I don't want this. Right. How do I navigate that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that you you mentioned that both of those shows, actually a lot of these shows are very superficial because like, yeah, they do have a deep connection with these people um but that's a a false connection um Mm -hmm. because they are i I feel like it's in a sense like every time i watch the show i'm like are these people going through some shit like i feel like they are waterboarding these people off camera because i'm like this is given trauma bond is really given trauma bond because i'm like even when they talk about it and they're just like yeah we've been in this experiment i know they're not physically being harmed in any way but it's just like the way that they talk about the the experience with doing everything it just sounds like you all went through some kind of trauma in in such a way that you cannot really articulate everything that you've gone through which to me seems like an issue like even when it comes to connecting with people even people i've uh, met through like online spaces i could communicate a lot better in our experiences together uh, through an app than a lot of these couples on the show and i'm just like what's going on with y'all and uh on top of that like i do like the concept that you can fall for somebody without seeing them but they don't build on it they just think that okay you guys see each other you propose you like the visual with the personality that you got to um, know be beyond the wall and let's go with that and see how you all you know mesh but they don't have anything that helps them with building blocks. It's just, oh, we're just going to go to this stage, that stage, and then we're done. There's no outside third party that comes in. Okay, hey, look, we're going to be moving you into uh, a home together so that you all can see how you two mesh. What is your living styles like and what kind of things like um, do you prefer to do dishes? Do you prefer to wash clothes? Like, how do you like your living spaces? Is there a certain sense that you don't like? Is there certain um, fabric softeners that you don't like? Like mm-hmm. having these real ass conversations with people um, before they even push them into that. But it's just like all of this is so forced on these people that yeah, it's, it's just giving trauma bond. Well, yeah, and it, it, it may not be physically harming, but definitely emotionally harming, right? You put anybody in a vacuum, basically, where they can't do anything but talk on the phone, talk, I guess, maybe not on the phone, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to people, and then just they're stuck in a room after that. Like, of course, they're going to be these, like, emotional bonding and trauma bonding with this person because I got nothing else to do I can't compare you to anyone else besides the other person I talked on the phone with whose voice I didn't like as much right like it's not giving real authentic connection because a part of the dating process and when it comes to like even the online platform right you're comparing that person that you're talking to on the online platform with another person you swiped right on Mm. and you're able to go out into the real world and do things for yourself and go hiking or go do the hobbies that you like whilst while still maintaining yourself and connecting with this person Mm. and seeing if this person is worth you know you being around or all of that but when you're stuck in a vacuum 
where you're not doing anything but basically drinking <laughs> a lot of <laughs> drinking talking to random people on the phone every single day and then going back to your space with a group of other men or a group of other women talking about who you talk to on the phone right like it's, it's just surrounding that and it's not really giving a connection a true genuine connection where I have choice in the matter mm-hmm. and let's get I think we talked a little bit about this before let's not even act like these are real like thought-provoking ideas of doing um like love is blind and things of that nature none of those girls are ugly right everyone looks good yeah. everyone quote, quote unquote looks good whatever your preference is right but everyone has like a nice body everyone has like a flatter stomach athletic ish taller um you know boobs but you know they're traditionally attractive mm-hmm. right and so is it really that I have this connection with this person because I like them and I want to marry them because whatever or I know this person's probably going to be attractive like you've seen season one (laughs) (laughs) like no one's going to be hideous and even the fat phobic one I guess but from my understanding I think I saw the girl she wasn't even that big she was just a little chubby so but for the most part they're all attractive in nature so you know you're going into it like that and I mean you kind of have to think about like what what type of person is going to be attracted to being on a show like this right mm. it might be a certain type of people that's going to be on this type of show in the first place yeah now i would say from the selection that they had for season one and season two i think they really do hone in on those people who feel like is there time to really be married that they're running out of time or something of that mm-hmm. nature that I need this as a stepping stone to my next um, state of success. So let me find this resource that will make sure that make sure that I can align with or connect with somebody that can be that spouse of mine. So I can move to the next level um, where I see my life, meaning possibly having kids, uh, give them the motivation that they finally needed to go after that promotion because now they want to build a family rather than I probably should go ahead and go for this promotion that I feel qualified for. Mm, probably not. I don't have a wife to build. Any, no, take go get your promotion, bitch. Like get your promotion, get your money. Okay. Uh, but I, that's the, I think that's the pool that they typically um, capture with the show. Uh, and for some weird reason on both seasons, they had people who were like really really adamant that it is my time um my clock is running out I need to go ahead and secure my husband one of them she grew from it the other one I'm sorry sis uh, I hope she's doing better these days but that reunion she was not done with it Mm. that was season one y'all know who I'm talking about yeah so I mean I I think it all plays a part in that, right? If I'm, I'm gonna try to look for a connection and enforce a connection in my head, because this person seems like, it's like a little bit of settling, right? This person seems like, okay, I like talking on the phone with them. I guess it'll work. But you think about a relationship and you think about intimacy, a part of intimacy is doing shared activity together, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get that. You don't get to see how this person acts in traffic when it's 
like when they're yelling and they have road rage, um, you don't get to see, and then that's a part of knowing someone for years too, right? But you don't get to see how they react when a family member passes away or when they are really stressed out and they, you know, overworked or whatever, and they stop talking to you for a couple of days. You don't get to see that aspect of that because you all are living in a vacuum and you're not dealing with any stressors to that extent. It's taking away all of the factors and actually really getting to have a genuine connection with someone. You're right. And <laughs> that's like, even I think about season two, the social engagements or even little bachelor parties, like, you it's it's the reality reality tv effect you're not going to be in a restaurant by yourself you're not going to be in these public spaces alone and no other people around so you have to be in you have to know who these people are like you really do have to look at people in different settings like you said in the car um if they have road rage how they treat somebody who's uh like waiting staff or what have you when you go to a restaurant these things are important these this allows you to see who the person who's the person that you are planning on marrying or have already married like i I get some situations don't pop up (laughs) because you know you're not going to um, be in every single situation in life, but the ones that you do get um, the most, the ones that are most common are the ones that are most needed, essentially. Right. Plus, they people know that they're being recorded, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, of course, you're going to get nothing but the good side of me because I don't want America to hate me. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> exactly. But then that one guy, I think... That's why I said I didn't hear. I heard about Love Is Blind. I guess that guy who was fat phobic. He was a jerk, but he. I think he. That was the role he was playing. Like, if you really sit back and look at it, you know you're being recorded. You know that people are going to perceive you a certain way in how you're acting, right? Like, that is the role you play. You think about the Real Housewives. People hate Kenya, but she brings a lot of people to the show because that is the role she plays. Mm. That's true. And I, I, I agree. I, I think that um, with him, his, uh, his name is Shake. Um, with Shake, he came onto the show in order not necessarily make himself a little bit more popular, but to play a role. And he ended up actually falling for somebody and that scared him. And because I, of course, this is me projecting, but, uh, but because he lost out on something that he could have had that just made him double down on it even more because he didn't want to real uh have that realization that I could have had a beautiful thing and I fucked that up and this person doesn't like me and now I have to sit in that space of I may actually be a bad guy I may be a jerk and I may have mistreated this person this entire time and I don't know how to handle that. So I'm going to make a joke out of it. I'm going to uh, act like I'm not hurt. Because even at the, like, I remember seeing that episode for the first time when uh, Deep D was just like, yeah, I don't want this. And walked away and left him at the altar. The pain on his face, mm. you could see it. Like, that's the crazy thing. You can see that he was legitimately hurt by her leaving him and he just did his best to try to bury that feeling uh and not express it and i was like 
Mm. And then looking at the reunion of it, and I'm like, okay, okay. He's he's just going to play that character as though he's not hurt when deep down you could tell this man was definitely hurt. <laughs> but yeah. On that note, you ready for some sex questions? Yeah. All righty. So here's the first one. What playful prop that isn't an actual sex toy have you used to heighten your uh, heighten your pleasure, and how have you used it? Isn't a sex toy? Right. Now, mm-hmm. That's going to make me think too. Um, oh my god. Um, I guess we could, like silk ribbon. I mean, are we considering mm-hmm. that a sex toy? I don't know. I, I would say no because you don't go to like you don't see that in the in a toy shop you can find rope in a toy shop though mm-hmm. but do the, can you find silk ribbon okay i guess <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to give you something yeah i guess silk ribbon if, if we're gonna go with something because technically you can use it outside of sex mm-hmm. um <sighs> I guess a good one would be like a chair, but I feel like chair is too easy. Like, I want to dig deep and see like, what have I used? And if not, what can I use? Oh, actually. uh, So I think I told you about the workshop that I was planning on, that I'm doing next year, right? Yeah. The one for us? Yeah, Valentine's Day. Yeah. So um, that will be something like I, I tried it. Uh, with somebody um not necessarily like the during sex but just uh, get their response with it uh and i use car keys and um and her keychain and um use that to like do some kind of sensations with her yeah and i I literally asked her uh so how did that make you feel i i I told her if i were to kiss your hand right now how would you react and how did this experience make you feel and she was like you know what i'm too wet right now and she (laughs) (laughs) was like well okay cool look at that so I will count that as mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a good one. Oh, now, now I'm thinking like, so yeah, my mind is racing. Like I have crystals. So now I'm like. like I've done I, crystal stuff. Not like <laughs> inside of me, but like on my body or like, um, you know, candles. Everyone does the candle thing. Yes, yes, with the candles. So crystal play. I'm I'm here for it. So how was that? It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> was I it, liked it. Was it a crystal that was connected to like a necklace or it was it just them holding like a large crystal and um so I have different types of crystals. So mm-hmm. I have like smooth ones and um like pointier ones. So, like, while getting, like, a massage, kind of, like, doing that sensation on my back was really nice. Ooh, I like that. I need to, I need to give you some more crystals now. Oh, my God. Oh, sensory play with crystals. Yes, Lord. Oh, let me add that to my list of things I'm going to do. Oh, my God. Okay. You ready for another one? Mm-hmm. So, have you ever slipped away to pleasure yourself in a place you weren't supposed to? No. Really? I've thought about it. But no, I actually haven't. 
I have. Um, does that work? <laughs> I you can't say. Loki, I almost did that work before. <laughs> but it's definitely when I just had like my own office, I thought about it. I was like, mm, I could technically masturbate in here. But then I was like, mm, but my office space is like very open and everybody can see me. Yeah. Let's not yeah. do that. And then I never knew where my supervisor was. So I didn't want to like be like, rubbing on myself a little bit and then he just opens his door and I'm just like well there we go yeah but like if anything I'm not going to whip it out in my office but you do like a little um like just deep petting on myself Mm. um rubbing on the thighs and everything because that's just that's a good feeling but uh, I did masturbate in a public library no a school library once like uh it was you would have been a sex offender it was a university. It was at the um, um, uh, collegiate level. Uh, I was on uh, Augusta University's campus, like <gasps> 20, I think this was 2012 during the summer. And I was I was there um, doing homework. And then I decided, let me go on Tumblr because I'm bored. And I, you know, when you read a lot and you just want a break from reading. Yeah. So I was like, let me go on Tumblr. And I was not thinking about the fact, well, or was I thinking about it? But anyways, at the time, Tumblr had all the great porn. porn yes. <laughs> Back when Tumblr was great. <laughs> it was great. So I'm over here uh, scrolling through Tumblr and I see, oh, okay, I'm getting a little bit aroused. Let me go ahead and um, click on this person's page and follow the damn rabbit hole. So I minimized the um, page, looked around, made sure nobody could see me because I was already in kind of a back corner, but very open. So if anybody walked up on me, they they could see what the hell I was doing. And I just was over there rubbing on that thigh, rubbing on the dick, and kind of masturbating without actually taking it out. And it was a interesting and wonderful uh, experience. That's that's like the limit of my exhibition um, exhibitionist mentality. I'm not trying to do more than that, but that, that shit was fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've had any like you know I've masturbated at like a family member's house. Like oh, you know what? <laughs> So one time, um, back in college, I was in this like um, peer educator group or whatever, and we we went on a trip to Florida or something, mm. and I shared a room with someone who that was like super cute, and I masturbated there while they were in the room. Oh, okay, scandalous! I love it. <laughs> I support. I support. Look, you have your own space, so you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. Stay over there in your bed. <laughs> Unless you're trying to join mine. <laughs> Wait, listen. <laughs> Let me find out. <laughs> Hopefully the person will never hear this podcast and it will never be. <laughs> well, go ahead and say their name. <laughs> <laughs> say then no 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 we're not doing that all right (laughs) thank you so much sharita for coming on to the podcast i greatly appreciate you uh do you have any last words that you like to share with the audience love yourself 
Hey, that works for me. Love yourselves, people. Um, but thank you all so much for listening to the uh, Holy Loki podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. Just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough in this. Um, you may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.